Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Adam Nichols, who is the founder and director of Ruslin David Recruitment. Adam entered the recruitment industry in 2015 after a successful banking career with Lloyds Banking Group. For three years, he worked for multiple recruitment brands before starting his very own company in 2018. For the last three years, Adam has been focused on their mission of delivering marketing recruitment properly. They pride themselves on being headhunters and not your typical recruiters who send out multiple CVs from a database. Adam is someone, if you're connected with him on LinkedIn, if you're not, I'd recommend it, but he is not someone that's afraid to be honest and stands for sort of what he believes in. And now he's really looking to take the business to the next step over the the coming few years with the help of their newly appointed NED, David Board. Adam, thank you so much for joining me. No worries. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So um, where we like to start on this podcast is with the million pound question, which ultimately is like, in your opinion, what characteristics and traits do you think make up a highly successful recruitment consultant in today's market? That's a really interesting question. And even though from listening to other podcasts, I knew you were going to ask me it, I still don't (laughs) feel like in my mind I have the perfect answer. You know, everyone talks about being communicative and being honest and being a specialist in your market and things like that. But for me, something that I think stands out is mental agility. And I don't know whether you can kind of talk about that as a characteristic or a skill, but being able to move quickly in your mind and adapt to situations quickly, because, you know, anyone who's worked in recruitment or any, any, any job where you've got to manage varying stakeholders expectations, things get thrown in the mix and spanners get thrown in the works pretty quick. And you have to be able to move and go, right, there's a problem there's no problem, there's a solution, we're going to do this, that and the other. And I think mental agility for me is something that, that you have to have. You know, people talk about sales ability. Yeah, that's useful, but depending on the company you work in and the clients you have, you don't need to sell anything depending on your market. But I think being articulate, being able to communicate honesty and, and, a, and a moral compass that points in the right way, I think is is massively important. Yeah, yeah. I really like mental agility. Like, Do you think that's something that people listen to this can cultivate? Is it something that you've sort of become better with like I don't know where how, how do you think we can cultivate that um it's interesting because it's I, I don't know whether it comes down to necess- comes down to intelligence or how articulate mm. someone is but it was something that got mentioned to me a couple of years back and it, it, it was actually somebody said oh you you're you're very mentally agile when you talk to someone you can kind of the flow of the conversation is there and this that and the other and I kind of thought I've never heard that phrase so for me mental agility is the ability to think on your feet I suppose and adapt very quickly to whoever it is that you're talking to you know if you've got a stock standard wooden approach where this is who I am this is what I do this is the value I can add to you and it's the same format for every conversation you have you're not really being mentally agile there because you might you need to be able to pitch to one person in another way and then if you deliver that same pitch to someone else, it might be more of a free-flowing free chat. Land. Yeah, so for me, mental agility is just the ability to adapt, the ability to be a bit of a chameleon when it comes to kind of conversations. And, and ultimately, that crisis management in your head, when someone says something to you that either stops you in your tracks messes up the flow of what you were trying to say or takes the conversation in a different direction. For me, mental agility is kind of measured with how quickly you can adapt to that and how successfully you can adapt to those changes in in, in circumstance. Yeah, I think some people can really 
be worried about having to think on their feet. And I think, unfortunately, the best way to like get better is being in more of those situations <laughs> where you have to think on your feet, isn't it? Because like, like you just said, you could be in a, situ- a certain position and you might get an objection or a response that you haven't had before and you've got to think on your feet. And then it's just about doing the work afterwards to go like, right, how could I have improved that? How could I have done better? And then you've just got more experiences and more things to point at or think about when you're then put in that situation again. Do you know what I mean? I, I I don't really feel like there's a bit of a, there's not really a shortcut really to get better at that. You've just got to pr- put yourself in more situations. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's one of those things where, you know, the, the old phrase, you've, you can either do it or you can't. I do think no, it is yeah. something that, that, that you grow into, like you said, with experience, but you know, you've, 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 you know, recruitment inside out. It's one of those jobs that the minute you sit at your desk and you go, right, I've experienced everything that this job can throw at me. An email will land in your inbox. Or, yeah, and you're just like, what am I doing here? What so yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Sure. It's crazy. Cool. So look, there's there's a few things that I'm, I'm really keen to unpack with you. So obviously you've uh, been on your own journey uh, of, of being a recruitment business owner, which we're going to focus on today. But just very quickly, um, obviously you started your journey in the banking world. Not interested in that maybe interesting, like maybe what you, you took from that, that you took into recruitment. But obviously from, from what I can see, it looked like obviously you were trying to find your feet in recruitment before you started your own company. Some even some even say, Adam, you're a bit job hoppy, mate. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think what, was the, just... what was the first couple of years about? Like, what did you take from it before? Cause I want to go in what gave you the confidence to start, but how, how would you sum up in hindsight the first couple of years of your experience like what, what did you take from it yeah i think a couple of lessons learned don't take the first job you're offered is the first thing that, <laughs> first yeah, le- lesson that i learned and this is this is no disrespect to anybody but when i i worked in banking and, and got a bit of a career going and then because of the regulation and the way that bonuses and things were literally overnight they pretty much cut earn career progression and i used to flip personal banking managers into jobs at like bupa and like sales roles and stuff oh cool so i yeah, do, so I do remember that yeah yeah, 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 and and I got offered a couple of recruitment roles, and 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 took took the one that sounded the best at the time, and I was so easily sold to, um, and then realised that wasn't right, and ended up going over to to work at the firm that I spent the most amount of time with, which I think was about two years. Hit a bit of a glass ceiling there, but found my feet there as a marketing recruiter. So it was an organisation that described themselves as a marketing recruitment agency, and they only worked on marketing roles. And and to be completely honest, I joined them knowing next to nothing about marketing i could spell the word and that was about it and (laughs) you know i learned i learned a lot about how marketing can add value to different businesses different areas of marketing job titles salaries you name it i became a marketing specialist recruiter over that kind of two-year period bit of a glass ceiling there they had a fairly rigid structure in place in terms of who manages the team and i kind of got to managing consultant quite quickly and broke billing records and did all of the sort of wolf of wall street stuff that everyone talks yeah. about but I wanted to kind of kick on and, and didn't just want to sit there and, and bill and take my commission and go home but there wasn't the opportunity for another position above above me so and it's important for me to mention these guys I made a move to a company called the one group where yeah. I did I didn't perform they're, at big, all. they're big in Cambridge aren't they they're, they're big employees they are. They're, they're a big brand in yeah the, yeah in yeah area. absolutely and they're, they're, they're a good bunch of people and for for, for one reason or another I, I didn't perform I think I managed to book in an interview over like a six month period, which going from being a prolific biller to doing that, you know, I'd come home and I, 
it's not even the wind wasn't in my sails. My sails weren't even up. You know, it was it was it was horrific. And I thought, what am I going to do here? And, and didn't really know. So I left there after six months because it's just there was just it just wasn't right for me. Um, and then started at a company called Greenhill, which I kind of thought was going to almost be my forever home, really, because I hadn't thought about starting my own firm. And then I'd been there about three months, and a, a good friend of mine at the time gave me a ring and said, "Why don't we start something?" And luckily for me, in that three-month period since leaving that six-month of poor performance, I actually did really well, and it gave me that confidence boost that, hang on a minute, I can, I can do this, and it just fell at the right time. So, um, yeah, that the six-month stint was very unintentional, and then the three-month stint was before I, I started Rosalind David. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. So a few, few things that I just want to zoom in on before we go into the business journey. The first thing, because I'm always interested in people's perspectives on this, so I'm sure you've seen this and noticed this but obviously every single recruitment company out there is hiring at the moment it seems like right and right now i'd I'd, like we're we're assuming here but like if if you're a fairly decent recruiter then there should be a good chance that you're you're doing you you should be making some good money right now right so in terms of like how easy it is for recruitment companies to hire experienced consultants that that's a real challenge right now from from the conversation i'm having so what I can see is like we're really like the industry is really getting back to like hiring five, 10, 15 like grads, entry level people into the industry. And so one of the sort of common stumbling blocks that I always hear is like that whole journey of like just sort of doubting yourself of like not having the expertise in the industry that you recruit for. Right. And that can be quite daunting at the beginning. Like I'm speaking to Adam, the CMO, and I'm t- three weeks into my job and I'm like, oh my God, he's going to know so much more than me, but I'm talking to him because I'm a marketing specialist, blah, blah, blah. So what was your, what's your advice basically on like building that expertise? Like how, how would you go about that? Like knowing what you know now, if you just start again and you had to build expertise around the market, what would your advice be for me out of interest? The first thing would be to pick a market which I think is massively important. Yeah, so have a niche. Make sure you have a market, firstly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but and when, when we say niche, I'm not necessarily talking about niche in terms of your approach to that market. That comes way, way later on. Pick something in terms of yes. an area that you are going to specialize in when it comes to recruitment. And it has to be something that you're interested in. So if you're a numbers guy, look at accountancy and finance. If you're really techie, maybe look at you know your software developers and things like that. You know, If you're quite flamboyant um, and extrovert, have a look at marketing or have a look at sales. Pick something that you're interested in and that you think you're going to be good at and that you think that you're going to want to retain knowledge in. Because I can't speak for you, Hisham, but for me, I'm, I'm someone who I... I I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I've only ever been interested in stuff that I'm good at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if I'm not good at something, my brain really struggles to retain the knowledge. And, and, and I was interested in marketing and quite quickly made some placements. So my brain instantly went, ah, right, you must actually be quite good at this, which changed my whole perspective and made me want to absorb that knowledge. So pick your specialism. And in terms of gaining that knowledge, learn from colleagues around you, if you can. And when I say learn, I mean, pick up the good bits but make sure you observe the bad stuff and remember not to do that. And, you know, talk to industry experts. We've got so much information out there, podcasts, YouTube videos, TV programs, you name it. It's, and God, the amount of content that you can find on your specialist subject. So, you know, if you're going to go on a treadmill for half an hour, rather than listening to your favorite album, chuck a podcast on. Yeah, yeah. Learn, be smart with your time and, and just absorb as much info as, as possible on your market. 
Yeah, I think I think this is the the sort of common thing that we're getting from this. So like, if you're listening to this, you're, you you've entered the recruitment industry, you're early on, and you might be having some of those challenges of like, oh wow, I'm speaking to these senior people, I don't know much, I'm struggling with that. Like, basically, you have to commit to immersing yourself into your industry, and that's why, as you said, the interesting, the 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 actual natural curiosity in the industry that you're recruiting for is really important because you are going to be more motivated to put on the podcast or do these things when you're doing other things. Um, if you're actually interested or you're curious about it. So like, if you're listening to this right now, you have to commit to it. So so I love that. Okay, so the other thing, which I was interested just to get your perspective on with, with your hindsight is just around that, that experience of like, yeah, joining a company after being, after getting some really good performance. Like, I think it can be, obviously a lot of people listen to this, will be in recruitment right now, hopefully they're doing well, but like they may realize 18 months in, two years in, that, that maybe actually the market they're in isn't the market they want to be in, or they're actually really interested over here or whatever. And it can be really daunting, right, to go to like have that recruitment experience and go into another recruitment company. Um, I mean, you hear recruitment owners say all the time, I do anyway, all the time saying, oh, we don't want to, we typically don't aim to get people with experience because they come with bad habits. So like, I don't know, like what, what I'm interested to get from you with hindsight, if I'm listening to this right now and like I do want to make a strategic move that I think can benefit my recruitment career long term, like knowing what you know now, what, what are the things would you like be non-negotiable for you to find out about the company you're you're going to? Or I don't know, what are some of the things that I maybe should be thinking about that you went through that maybe you learned from? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Are we, are we talking about what to consider before potentially changing market? Or are we saying overall, if you're looking at a different recruitment company, what? Let's just go for considering a move, because I think that, that can just be really daunting. So let's just go that rather than market. Yeah. So considering a move, you have to think why you're considering a move. And I, I hope I don't go off on a tangent here, because this is something I really believe in. But I think job movers, whether you're a recruiter or not a recruiter, and I'll come back to your original point in a sec, people tend to make a move either based on logic or emotion. So the emo- the emotive job seekers amongst us are people that have been uh, made redundant or have had an argument with their boss or didn't quite get the pay rise that they wanted. So there's been a trigger which has caused an emotional reaction which has led to them wanting a new job. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. I like that. The other motivator, and I typically find everyone can fall into these two camps. You've got the emotion and then the other motivator is logic whereby, okay, I've been at this company for five years or three years or seven years. I'm doing really, really well. I'm not quite sure the next step in my career is here. Therefore, even though I'm happy, I am going to shop around and see what's out there. The logical job moves tend to be the best ones that stick because you're not going to just jump ship at the first thing that comes your way and you're going to have a more considered and pragmatic approach to it. So to bring that back to your original question, you have to look at the motivations as to why you want to move. So if, you, if you're pissed off with your boss or you've had a row or they've withheld some of your commission or you've had a clawback or a client's annoyed you or whatever, don't start looking for a job because of that. Sleep on it for a day, two days, three days, a week. It's not going to kill you to put that, that decision back a week and then think about where you're at because you're not going to know the best place to target unless you're completely comfortable in yourself with why you want to make that move. So like like I suffered, not suffered, that's the wrong word to use, like I had the realisation that I'd hit a glass ceiling. There's at that nowhere firm. really you can next go. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, something like that. Or if you're seeing a bit of a mass exodus and lots of your colleagues are leaving, try and find out why they're leaving. Don't just be the fifth or sixth person to go. And then once you've really got that nailed, you know, you might want to sit and open a bottle of wine and make a spreadsheet of reasons. Once you've got those bullet points, it might be three or five or 10 as to why you want to move, you can then cross-reference that list with companies you're considering. 
So if you, off the back of that list, you come up with, right, I want better commission structure, I want mapped out progression, and I want better technology. Yeah. You know that you can look at all, all companies you consider with those three points. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. What that boils down to, if you listen to this right now, like you really, it's, it's probably hopefully the advice that you're giving, right? You really need to nail down on the why and have clarity on that. Is it an emotion move? Is it, is it logical? Is it a bit of both, as you said? And then there, and then you've got things then to cross-check, as you said, rather than just, I don't know, seeing what's out there or, yeah, that might be interesting. Like you have to have clarity on this. Okay, cool. So let, let, let's unpack this, this business journey then. So as, as you mentioned, you started this business with one other person, right? Um, uh, but now, obviously, in terms of where you're on the journey, it's just you that's the majority shareholder of the business, right? So talk to, talk, just talk to me a bit about, I'm always interested. Like, I think most people would have had those conversations down the pub, looking at their commission check and going, oh, imagine if I did this for myself, how much money I'd make, all of that, right? But not not everyone goes like goes and takes that leap, right? So, so I'm getting the impression here that you might not be, you um, wasn't thinking about it, but because your your friend or your ex-colleague or whatever spoke to you about the idea, you was open to it. So what, what, gave, what gave you guys the confidence to take that leap and, and start this business journey? This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincherry, the recruitment operating system for your front, middle, and back office. So I recently recorded a podcast with James Layton from the Anderson James Group, which will be out really soon. And as part of our conversation, we got into the topic of the best tools that he's invested in so far in his business journey. And guess what? Vincherry was up there and also Sourcebreaker was. But in this very short snippet, you're going to hear why James is so happy to be a Vincherry customer. And look, who's better to tell you about their product and why you should be considering Vincherry as your operating system partner than their customers themselves. Here's what James had to say. We implemented Vincherry right in the heat of lockdown. We decided that it was the right time. The old system that we used was clunky. I'm a real, real, real believer of Vincherry as a system. I must have recommended 20 people to Vincherry over the years because I think they're going to change the game. And I can say that wholeheartedly, having used Bullhorn and another product, I can say that Vincherry is number one in that world for a growing recruitment business because it's intuitive, it's got intelligence suites, it's got everything that you probably need to... Yeah, it's a whole operating system, not just a CRM, is it? Is this the whole point? Yeah, it's, and yeah. It, it's brilliant. And they're brilliant. Like, you know, Eloise and the team there, they're, they're great. And they're always there if you need them for anything. Yeah, so it was a good friend of mine. Um, and he was kind of in almost like an operations manager, operations director position for his dad's company, which was um, like a security technology firm, nothing to do with marketing or recruitment. And he essentially had the choice to take that business on from his dad when his dad retired or create something for himself and I had a massive amount of respect for him because and I still do because he said I don't just want to inherit this multi-million pound business I want to we'll try and create one yeah. yeah exactly so yeah. the rationale for Bobby and I to start Rost and David was that I can teach him all of the marketing recruitment stuff if you're going to put it all in a bag and give it a label and while he's learning that from me he can teach me the commercial runnings of a business because I didn't know what a VAT return was and how corp tax was calculated and managed accounts and this that and the other so it was a it was a knowledge share at the time to then create the the, the business so that was the kind of the spark and I suppose to answer your question directly and I, I, I mean this in the nicest possible way the confidence came from the loyal clients that I'd built up over the period of three or four years 
and my billing figures, but not just my billing figures. People get so caught up on billings and it drives me nuts. Your billing figures don't make you a good recruiter. How many of them stick make you a good recruiter and how many of those clients come back to you defines whether you're any good or not. And I was confident because I was in a position where everything I was placing was sticking. Clients were happy, candidates were happy and everyone was coming back. So I didn't think we'd be short of work. So let, let's just sort of unpack this a bit then. So like how, how did you both like view the bit like business, the first year of the business? Was it like, right, let's just get as much money in the bank as possible. Let's try and build some traction and then we'll go from there. Like how, how did you both sort of visualize like, did you have a bit of a plan? What, what did that look like? What were the conversations going into that first year? Yeah, well, we, have, we, had, a, we had a plan from a commercial standpoint of an amount that we wanted to hit um, within our first six months. And we did that in nine weeks, which we were very, okay. very Amazing. happy with and very proud of. Um, and we were also fortunate enough to have a little bit of a foundation financially. So we had an office, we had computers that we bought, we had a CRM system that we were using, we had LinkedIn recruiter licenses straight out of the gate. You know, we had all of the all of the tools that we needed. It wasn't kind of right. We need to get a fee, and then that fee can be put towards then, yeah, this. Yeah. So, it the plan, I suppose. To, yeah, you're kind of right. It was not to bill as much as possible, but we needed to get as much capital in the business as possible because you know your working capital is is what you need if you're going to grow um, and a bit of a solid foundation. So that was kind of our original plan, and it was it was busier and happened a lot quicker than we'd anticipated. I think. Yeah. Sure. And just talk to me about why is that? Is it because of those relationships that you said that they that they come to fruition? Like why why do you think you was able to to get traction quite quickly? Yeah, it was it was partially because of of existing relationships. So yeah, I'm not going to lie. Some of those roles and, and and placements did fall in my lap through from previous contacts and other people I've recruited for. But there was in that first six month period, there was a lot of new business. You know, and it's funny. I had a conversation this morning with the client our first new organic client from when Ross and David started and they're still a client now and I think I'm sure you're probably going to come on to this a little bit later but we didn't really have a defined service proposition when we started the business so we knew we were going to be marketing recruiters and we knew that we were going to have the right approach that was kind of our little sort of tagline per se and that was bred from like I said earlier I've seen a lot of bad recruiters I've seen a lot of good ones and I you know pinch the skills I witness and add them to my arsenal if I can and make sure I avoid the bad stuff. But that service proposition that what has now evolved to Rosslyn David, the marketing headhunters, that's evolved over time. And um, so it wasn't it wasn't a an absolutely nailed, well oiled service proposition in that first six month period. Yeah. Talk to me about what was because I think that is what a lot of the time people are most concerned about when starting their business journey of winning new clients a lot of people have to deal with restrictive covenants for the first sort of period like what what was your most effective way of gaining organic clients what ended up being like your most effective way of actually building these new relationships out of interest uh sounds a little bit 90s but getting on the phone (laughs) yeah Yeah. and obviously this is this is pre-covid when everyone's in the office so you want to speak to someone you can ring the office and chances are they're going to be there you know so getting on the phone having conversations so i'd say 50 percent like I said, getting on the phone, having conversations, chasing leads. I've seen that app role has been re-advertised. You know, we're happy to have a look at it on a contingent basis. It's not going to cost you anything to see if we're any good. You know, those kind of, all the, all the typical... proactive. Yeah, all the recruitment agency stuff. And also LinkedIn, in terms of mm. building that following and creating that personal brand was really important. Yeah, yeah. Had you done that before you started your own business, much of that? The brand building, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I um, Where did that come from? Like what, where, cause a lot of people don't start. Most people, most people don't know what to say. They don't want to look stupid. Like they, they never end up 
sharing? I mean, I've always been a fairly chirpy, extrovert, confident bloke, naturally, okay. which is kind of helpful, I guess, because I was, you know, I'd worked in sales and things like that. But um, when I worked at a, the recruitment company I was at for a couple of years, they had a competition of who can write a blog about recruitment and generate the most engagement. And I'd never written a blog before, never really thought about putting anything down and writing. And I won it, which was great. I think I had like 300 likes or something along those lines. And all the engagement was really, really good. And I just thought, right, I'm going to do this again. So then a couple of weeks later, I put out another post. or And, and it, it kind of just sort of slowly started moving. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good way to encourage people to start, to be fair. What's been your strategy to encourage? I don't know if everyone has, has gone on that journey before they've joined your business. But now with people in your team... Like, how have you helped people get over that hump or hurdle of like putting themselves out there out of interest? Have you done a similar thing to encourage them to start or what have you found work? I haven't done that in terms of kind of make it a, make it a competition, a competition or, or, or yeah. kind of give anyone a, a, yeah, I haven't done anything like that. But I've said to people, just be yourself. Yeah. Don't worry about if a post is going to do well or if you should say something or how you should word it. As long as you're not upsetting people and being nasty, and don't talk about race, religion, or politics. That's kind of the rules, really. If you if you if if you you don't don't want to talk about don't talk controversially about those topics. Other than that, you've kind of got free reign because personal brand is the, the definition of it is personal. You know, we've got three headhunters in our office: me, uh, James Human, and James Woodward, and we are all very different people. We write differently. You know, there's some people that. Yeah, Probably. So you tell people to embrace that. Absolutely. And, 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 that, yeah. and I, I know for a fact that there are people that I'm connected to who probably think I'm a complete prat and can't stand what I write and what I talk about and how I say things, but they'll love James Human. No, I think, I think what I take from you is like, I think, like, I feel like even like talking to you now and just seeing your stuff, like if we were to go down to the pub, I'd be confident that like I'd know what to expect. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and yeah, I think I'm, that's the I'm, most important thing. Yeah, I, I am. I, I am think. absolutely who I am yeah there's no yeah yeah front per se <laughs> yeah yeah no, I think that's so important so all right so f- a few things that I'm really interested to to speak with about you and, and there'll be a few other business things that I want to touch on but just talk to me about and you can maybe talk about how the sort of clear services evolved and everything but like just talk to me about this whole headhunting piece because I really feel like like you and your business wear that with like a badge of honor and you're like this is we are different we're headhunters like talk to me about like, what is the difference? Like, when you say we're, he- we're marketing headhunters, we're not the wh- whatever else it is we're comparing it to. Like, talk, talk to me about how you would articulate that's different, and then, we'll, and then we'll dig into a few things. Going back to when we started the business. Yeah. Oh, no, I'll, I'll go back one step before. The company that I was at for a while prided themselves on having, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 candidates on a database. On the and that was one of their selling points. Yeah, we've yeah got, we've got all and these people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and and I used that line to win business on a weekly basis, and it worked. Okay. Then we started Rost and David, and we had no candidate database. Our CRM was empty. We had a so few, that sale didn't exist then. You it didn't have exist. That. So we yeah. had to come up with something different. We had the LinkedIn recruiter licenses, and it was very much if you want a marketing exec or you want a VP, we've got to go and find these people. They've never heard of us, and we've got to turn their heads. A lot, most of the time, with a, like a, quite a sexy in-mail, you know, nice, nicely well-articulated message to get them to buy in and want to have a chat. None of this, hi, Hisham, I've got a job. Do you want to have a chat, mate? Like none of that. I've got to yeah, write yeah, something yeah. that's going to make you want to take 10 minutes out of your day to talk to me. And that's how we started. And we were filling roles. And that ev- evolved into this headhunt piece where 
we do not operate any kind of candidate database or candidate mailing list. So nowhere on any of our systems is any data stored, email addresses, phone numbers, or anything like that. And the way that we talk about that to clients is that database of however many thousand records is great, but only if all of that data is live and up to date. Yeah. If you've got a record on there and it's six months out of date, you've moved jobs once, you've changed location, your phone number's it's not changed. Valuable. And your salary, yeah, and your salary expectations have gone up by 10 grand. That, that, that piece of data is pointless. So rather than herding cats and trying to get all that data, don't worry about it. In our market, most marketers are on LinkedIn anyway. So we're fortunate that that works for us. Another piece about us calling ourselves the marketing headhunters is we don't advertise roles that we're working on. Now, as a candidate, I would expect people to be like, well, that's not very bloody helpful, is it? But our job, and this is really, really important that I say this in the right way, our job isn't to find candidates' jobs. Our job as headhunters is to find companies the talent that they want. So I'm not going to run a, I'm not going to charge you what is quite a, quite a hefty fee to just run a job advert for you and hope that the right person by chance applies to my advert and not yours. So rather than like if you're paying me for my time and my services and my knowledge, I'm going to spend that time finding the right people and trying to articulately turn their head and want them to have a conversation with us rather than the admin of going through people applying for jobs and writing a job advert and dealing with them. So yeah. that's kind of, in a nutshell, how we operate yeah. and, and how we justify that, that, that headhunt piece. Got it. So do you mind if we just go a bit practical on this? Yeah, because I think it'll be valuable for people. Yeah, do it. Because clearly this is something that you and your team are like getting better at every single day if, if this is your approach. So can we just think about like a headhunting call, basically. That, that's what I'm going to start with and just get a bit practical with this. So like, what's tended to really work with you? Like, I know there's nuances here. There might be a job that like helps or this, like whatever, but like, what, what does this, a, a good headhunting call look like for you? Like, if we could break that down, I think that'd be really interesting for people. Is this an initial call with a candidate that I don't know or with a new Yeah, business? so this is, this is basically, no, this is a candidate. So this is, you've already, obviously you're working with a company and as you said, um, you are helping the company hire the people that they want. So I am a person you've identified that the company would, would like or would, would potentially look at hiring. So I want to just break down, like, because you've probably really refined this and there's nuances to it, but like, what does a good headhunting call it like? This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. And all I wanted to tell you about today is one of their recent really useful and valuable articles. So a lot of you right now are probably thinking, how can I tap into more talent pools? How can I get more relevant candidates showing up in my searches, whether that's on your CRM, LinkedIn, wherever it may be? Well, this is Sourcebreakers World. So what they've recently done is published an article called The Power of Search, Five Ways You Can Improve Your Candidate Pool. So in this really short article, you will walk away with five practical ways that you can uncover and find talent that you're looking for that maybe might not show up if you're just using the, the current ways of searching and what you're doing. I mean, what they've found from all of the surveys and data that they can look at is like 48% of searches typically contain errors. So if you want 
practical ways that you can uncover talent that you may be missing, click the link in the show notes, read the power of search, uh, get those tips, walk away with them, start using them, and let us know how you get on with those five tips and if you find some more people. Enjoy. So before we get the call, I've got to turn your head typically on LinkedIn and make you be willing to give me time for a call in the first place. So that that initial outreach and that initial message is very, very important. Um, I don't, obviously you will have probably used it a lot at some point, but for anyone who doesn't know, LinkedIn Recruiter gives you the capabilities of automation. So you can write one message and send it to whoever you like at the click of a button. Yeah. The best thing you can do is never, ever, ever utilize that function. Do not pepper people with the same message. So I would write a message and I would say, you know, hi, Sally, I've seen that you've done this and this, and it looks impressive. And I will comment something in that initial part of the personalization. message. Exactly. But it's personalization yeah, yeah. 2.0, because you can't just say, I've noticed you work at yeah, John yeah. Lewis. What, what are the, so let's start here then. What are the, cause this is really value. This is really helpful, especially right now. Right. Cause I think this is the advantage of your approach is like right now you have to be really good on the proactive side like with with the current market right so like we've done a few things on this so like what are the the main what are some of the sort of trigger points that you look at to to, to determine what i put in that initial personalized part out of interest that is 2.0 i make something relevant so i don't just say you've worked at john lewis i will reference something that something that instantly lets them know that i've actually looked at their They've profile and read it yeah and not just gone bang, Heesham was there, quality, name drop the company, let's crack on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. it's, it's not like that. It's, oh, I've noticed that you headed up SEO when you were at such and such, or I've noticed that yeah. four roles ago you managed a team of 10 or whatever. Something that instantly lets them know I've read it, read their profile, but also secondly makes it relevant to what I'm about to say. Yeah. So, you know, I've noticed that you headed up SEO three years ago. I'd be intrigued to know how much of that you do in your current role because I've got a role that, is a SEO focused head of digital marketing that might potentially interest you. At which point I then say, just to be clear, my preferred method is to talk this through with you on the phone, but to give you some initial headlines. And then I break down some information about the role information about, yeah. And I, but I put quite a lot of, I often reach the character limit in my emails. Really? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Quite often. And, and I would probably say a lot of the time people come back to me and say, hi Adam, thanks a lot that was quite a refreshing approach because you've actually given me some information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. I constantly use that feedback to refine that process. So, so a, a successful message like that is a message that one gets a response and like says like, hey, Adam, really write the approach, blah, blah, blah. But then they may go, not right now, whatever. But obviously the goal is for them to be curious enough to go, okay, Adam, yeah, I'll give you 15 minutes of my time. That's what we're, okay. So are you not, are you not doing, so do you not actually do that much of that sort of type of approach on the phone then not typically because again we don't most people don't have their phone numbers on their linkedin profile yeah so you haven't used like these some of these tools where you can get people's numbers no fair enough i don't i no, i don't because if someone wants me to ring them they'll give me their number that's my logic like <laughs> yeah, if your yeah, phone yeah, fair, rings it. and it's some dude trying to sell you something you're instantly like i wasn't expecting this call i don't know who you are i'm busy leave me alone you know and you have to treat people. I, I, a big thing for me is I always treat people how I kind of want to be treated myself. So to go back to your question about that phone call, that initial phone call with that potential candidate that I've never spoken to, I will very 
quickly explain to them that we're a headhunt firm we're not a recruitment agency what that means for you is i'm not adding your phone number or your email address onto a database i don't need your cv at this point the purpose of this initial call is for me to explain to you exactly who the company are i will name them i will tell them who they are where they are name of the hiring manager etc and i will explain to you what they're looking for and we'll have a bit of a chat and i'll aim to give you as much information as i can to ascertain whether you think it's worth you having a look at the job spec or not that's kind yeah. of the purpose of yeah, the initial yeah, nice. call. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I do find myself saying a lot of the time is I'm not here, and a lot of recruiters will disagree with this, and I'm, I'm come at me, I'm prepared for this. I'm not there to sell a job at all. I'm not here to sell an opportunity to you. I'm here to give you facts and things that I know. Because if I start peppering you with superlatives, you're probably going to switch off and think that I just work in some call center for some big, large corporate recruitment company. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to tell you what I know. And if, if you ask me something and I don't know, I'm not going to BS my way through it. I will go and get that information because it's relevant to you. And when I do that little bit of spiel, instantly people tend to relax because they think, right, he's not here to sell to me. He's not trying to get me on a database. He does sound legit because, again, I talk very yeah, authentically yeah, yeah. like I am talking to you now. And the response is pretty good. And the conversations are, are really, really interesting. And, you know, that five minutes, 10 minutes of your time is usually 40 minutes because they're going, oh, that sounds interesting. And I've done that. Oh, that sounds good. You know, so. Yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing that. And I think um, what I take from that, because we, we've been doing some uh, sessions recently all around candidate management, because a lot of people are experiencing more dropouts than usual. Counter offers are guaranteed. People have three, four, five job offers on the table rather than maybe one or two. And uh, I, I do feel like the the better recruiters will take that initial conversation, not to push their agenda, not to find things that match what their client wants, but actually to really understand like why the, why this person would be open to something like this, or find out, as you said, try and find out what some of those logic reasons might be in in that list, and what some of those emotion reasons might be. But what what we did recently, which I think is really good, what you just said, which I think sometimes people fall short on is that initial part of the call where you're laying out this is why we're this is why you've given me the time and i think sometimes like as you said people can just go straight into like this is what i want out of the call rather than explaining like who you are sharing credibility what you're about why you do things in a certain way and that can give you the opportunity as you said to to build more rapport or make them feel at ease and i think that's the missing part which i i took from that is that sometimes i think people can fall short on is that that initial part yeah and i think all authenticity is absolutely key like you know people talk about phone voices and you know this and the other if you, it, it might be really hard for some people, but if you can just talk to people like they're normal human beings, you know, the amount of times we've been in offices and we hear people with their fake office laugh and all this and the other, not knock that on the head, like just try and be as authentically you yeah, yeah, as keep possible. Keep it human. Don't get in this sales, like recruitment breath, like Because stuff. honestly, it, yeah. it's, it's so much easier to do what we do if you just are yourself. Yeah. It's just so much easier. I think I think it's about reframing what success looks like in a call and things like that. Because if Adam the headhunter in that moment, only, the only success like what success looks like in that call is you sending me the job spec. 
then your how you're going to approach that is going to be way different rather than as you said like i'm here to give you the facts understand where you're at and if this could be a good fit blah 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 right like six like a successful call looks different i think that that's the thing like when i'm a recruiter and i know i've got to hit certain kpis or whatever and success looks like getting a job spec over or these types of things then then my recruitment breath can come out do you know what i mean and i'm like just pushing what i want at you and and these types of things and i think that that's what you, that's what you're talking about is like actually put your human hat on because like this is what you need to be doing like that's what's going to help you in the long run anyway but i think that that's part of it which i i find interesting so we've gone really practical in that Fa thank you uh, i was just really keen because i know that's really important for you guys and, and a big differentiator so let's just talk about sort of adam with with a business hat on for a second so i know obviously you went on a bit of a journey with the uh, business partner that you started and all i was just keen because i saw the post that obviously you you obviously now this business is solely owned by you is that right or yep. like you're yeah Correct. so what i was just keen because we've interviewed a few people recently where they've started businesses with other people and sometimes they've just ended up at some point down the line wanting different things and maybe what they could have done better was communicate where they wanted things to go and all of that so just just talk to me about i know you said like things are like you're still mates it's all good but like, i don't know what what did you take from that experience that maybe other people could learn from with here who may have started a recruitment business with other people like how important is it is it to communicate like do you feel like you could have communicated better of like where you wanted things to go i don't know what what did you take from that experience that could be useful for other people communication is absolutely key you know and i think i'm not saying like damage control before it's happened but if you're going to start a business with a pal of yours or an ex-colleague or whatever it is spend a lot of time, as, as much time before you start the business, as spend as much time planning on how successful it's going to be and how great it's going to be. You need to spend as much time talking about what happens if if we don't get on, we have a fallout, we yeah, have nice. difference of, yeah. differences of opinion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So plan for the bad bits. And a lot of people don't do that when they start a business. They sit there and they go, right, we're going to hit this turnover and this yeah, is how we're going to achieve about the it. Nice bits, isn't that? It feels better. Yeah, and and, nice. and people come up with with a, a watertight, modest plan. You know, we want to do eighty k in the first three months, knowing full well they could do a hundred. So when they hit ninety, they're happy. Like, put all of that aside. Sit and talk about the bad bits. You know, what happens if we don't get on? We don't communicate. I'm not as good as I say I am. You don't bring as much to the table as you say you're going to. Or like, for example, this didn't, just to be clear, this didn't happen in my circumstance with my business partner. But if one founder has got a family and the other person hasn't, typically the guy who or girl who hasn't got the family will end up putting more hours in. Talk about those things. Plan for the bad bits as well as and the, the bumpy bits in the road. And so how often kind of, did you have those conversations out of interest? Was it quite natural, organic? Because you obviously it's a small grown company. Did you be quite intentional yeah. about speaking about them? You asked me what I've learned and I learned because we didn't do that. Right. Okay. <laughs> we didn't talk about. We did, I'm, I'm being honest, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I appreciate you know, that. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, the, I've learned from it because we didn't do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the, the separation of myself and my 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 business partner or ex business partner was luckily very smooth because he's a he's just a bloody good bloke. You know, if he if he wasn't, it would be a nightmare. Like, there's a couple of guys I know that have split from business partners, and you know, it's been tough. Yeah, the the person the person person being bought out has wanted you know more money than the business turns over, and it just gets disgusting. But yeah, I was lucky that that, that I had a really good kind of uh, separation from him and 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 bought him out. But yeah, we didn't really sort of plan for that to happen. It kind of just happened over time. And I think one thing I would make sure if you are going to start a business with someone is make sure that 
the value you can add is as balanced as possible. Balance, yeah. Yeah, you know, like having one person who's just got a bag of cash starting a business with someone who's got all the knowledge, that's not going to work. Yeah. It's just not going to work because there's going to be resentment at some point on one side. So try and be as balanced as you possibly can be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so talk to me, just keen to talk a bit about your journey of like hiring and stuff like that. But I, I wanted to make sure that I asked you just because this has probably been one of the most common questions that I've had over the last coming months, which I absolutely love, by the way, which is business owners saying, hey, do you know any good any NEDs? Are you connected with anyone that people would recommend in that? And obviously I saw your post recently. And the reason why I love that is because one of the most common sort of learns or like when I say to people like yourself, Adam, like what, what, if you were to start this recruitment business owner journey again, what, what would you maybe do differently? And most people respond with, I would have got help sooner, right? And what I just love about that, obviously you're commenting on your post, you're saying, I just love like the, the willingness to be, have the humility to go, you know what, I don't know it all. And I'm willing to make sure I've got an open mind, like be willing to stand in front of someone and for them to potentially like rip your business apart and go, Adam, this is shit. That's not that great. Da, da, da. Like the willingness to put yourself in that situation, I, I think is, is amazing because it should hopefully enable you to create an even better business, create an even better culture for your people and, and all of that. So talk to me about how did it happen? I mean, I saw the post. It seems like it was quite organic. But like a lot of people say to me, like, do you know anyone? And it, it sometimes can be a bit of a, like, how do I find an NED? How can I go about speaking to someone that could potentially help me? I know I want it. I'm willing to get the help. How did it happen for you? So David Board is um, one of the original founders of the One Group. Yeah, which you worked for for a bit of time. Correct, yeah. But the, 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 I have to repeat the point that I performed terribly i did <laughs> I, was, I was i was i came i came on board giving it the big in yeah, promising yeah, the world you know oh uh, no well i'd be i'd build like 250 grand the year previous and yeah. you know came in swinging around and this that, and the other and i did i did i did i did jack shit mate and i made myself <laughs> look, i made myself look like a complete prat yeah and over the period of the last few years obviously i've built myself back up and i've got the business which is great but i'd spotted that david board had been bought out by his two colleagues. So he was now no longer no longer a director at the One Group. Go back to my time at the One Group, all three of the directors were great. Um, but David was one that, like, he's one of those people where when you're in a room and he starts talking and the language he uses and the way that he articulates things and the way he processes information, you just want to sit and emulate yes, what he does. And it's right, just, okay. yeah, he's one of yeah. those people. When he speaks, you're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm literally learning as this bloke is talking. And I just... I didn't have oodles of interaction with him, obviously, because I was a small cog in a big machine at the time. But he always stuck with me as someone that I could definitely learn a lot from and was just a good guy. Fast forward to a couple of months ago, you know, Ross and David has got to a point where, you know, we're, we're very profitable. There's good cash reserves. Everybody's happy. Touchwood, no one's going to hand their notice into me this afternoon <laughs> when we finish this call. Um, but I, I, I am sitting, running the business, looking after everyone and billing. And I haven't got the time to take a step back and look at it as a commercial entity. Yeah. And also, you've got to remember, mate, I, I never intended to have this business on my own. On your own, yeah. I started exactly. it with my ex-business partner and I've Who had that operation, maybe the commerciality and all of that, which is, yeah. So I just dropped him a message, a connection request on LinkedIn. And to be honest, because I didn't know whether he was working anywhere or he could be sitting in Barbados on a yacht somewhere, yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting a response. But he came back and went, hi, Adam, good to hear from you. What, what did you say? 
What do you, is it like? You don't have to go like say exactly, but it was just like, hey. No, I will. No, 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 no. I can't remember, so I'll read it. Give me yeah, just yeah, a sec. Nice. So I, nice. I just said something very, it was very short, very sweet, which doesn't sound like me because I talk a lot. But <laughs> I just said, hi, David. I hope all's well. I'd really like to seek some advice from you, if I may, with regards to the management of my recruitment business currently um, five strong and growing. I always valued your advice during my um, short spell at Tog and it'd be great to reconnect. Thanks. Love that. Nice. So that was it. And he just came back and, yeah, we jumped on the phone. And very. I'm not going to speak for David, but he was very, instantly, he was very interested and intrigued by what we do because it is a different proposition. Different yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we actually do what we say we do like behind closed doors and i think a lot of recruit recruitment companies don't do that yeah so we spent a lot of time on the phone and yeah he he originally the conversation was to ask him some questions and then to follow into like you just said do you know anyone who you think might want to come on board and help yeah and instantly he was like me yeah okay i, I, I want to help i want to i want to see if i can add some value yeah so from what I saw in your post, it looks like you've done a few things together now, have you? Like in terms of like, I don't know, if you want to call them sessions or whatever, like you've spent more time yeah. talking. Yeah. So let's just talk a bit about this because like a lot of people have, obviously have like what they think it would be like. So let's just talk a bit about how how, how it's actually been and how, how it's helped you so far. What, what's what been the thing about the relationship on how he's helped you so far that you've been most surprised about out of interest um, in a positive way? how he has not he's not just he's not he's not focused on the areas that need improvement okay if that makes sense like he's he's spent as much time talking to us about the good stuff as he has the areas where he thinks he can add value and help us with right which is which is good and i'm not saying you know like the old sort of shit sandwich we really like you these are the problems we've got, but overall <laughs> yeah. you're great it wasn't quite that ratio of kind of uh sandwich filling to bread so to speak but and and just his enthusiasm as well like you know, the first couple of sessions we had, he he kept kind of saying, we need to do this. And then he would say, sorry, I didn't mean we, I mean <laughs> I, but I'm just excited to be part of it kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was, and it gave us a bit of confidence because again, I'm not, not trying to say that, that we're a perfect business because we're not, otherwise we wouldn't need to engage with him. But he was very complimentary, which was nice for me to hear. Because, yeah, external voice, external yeah. opinion. Yeah, of course. Because you don't know, you're just moving forward, you're, you're doing what you need to do. You're like, yeah, this is great, guys. But yeah, it's, it's good to get that. What, um, any law, sort of like light bulb moments so far in the two sessions that you've had? Yeah, a couple of things. <laughs> yeah, a couple of things. So part, so we don't have any KPIs internally. So the headhunters and Lucy, who's our client development manager, there are no targets. There are no, you have to hit this. There's no thresholds. There's no, none of that. We're not a recruitment agency. We're different. And that's another reason why we are. And he he kind of gave me some ideas around how we can put commercial targets in place for the business so we can track how well we're performing against those right. without necessarily putting targets on people's heads internally. So he's been talking to me about ways that we can do that. Okay. Which is which is pretty cool. Um and yeah, I mean there's loads of stuff. Like we've we've been on we've had probably over ten hours together, probably over the last sort of month month six weeks and um, okay. so there's some really cool stuff but i think in terms of kind of how to sort of choose your non-exec director or find yeah, your non-exec yeah. director it has to be someone that you've ideally had some experience working with before and that that you respect okay because i i, I personally wouldn't want to go put it this way if david board had said no or hadn't replied i'd be up shit street well not up shit street but i certainly wouldn't there wasn't a backup if yeah. you know what I mean, or someone yeah, else yeah. I could have gone and spoke to. So I was quite fortunate in the sense that my targeted person reciprocated that interest. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. 
you've got him involved. He's probably encouraged you to think bigger, like do things better. Like how, what, how are you thinking about as we come to the end here then? Like what, what's on the horizon for you guys? And you've got this service that you've really flushed out that's unique. You stick to it. I really feel like you guys know who you are as a brand, you, all of that. So like what, what's, what's on the horizon for you guys? Well, the, 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 the first action point is hiring. We, we've got more repeat business than we can handle. And I, by the way, I'm not moaning in case anybody's listened to this. Yeah, I'm yeah. more than happy to keep it coming. But I don't want it to... I pride myself or we pride ourselves on not working on too much at once. So as yeah, a headhunter... Like the service level's David, not going down, which I think could be a real sticking point right now. Service level's yeah. going to drop in. Yeah, so we, we as a headhunter at Ross and David, you're typically only going to work on about five roles at once. Because if you follow our kind of methods and put your own spin on it, you're probably going to fill four or five of them. And that's the rate, our run rate. So you don't need to work on 20 jobs. Yeah. Um, but because we're so busy, we, we, we're turning away work. So the first thing we need to do is hire. In an ideal world, if, if, if someone can knit me a marketing recruiter to come and work with us, that would be great. But that person doesn't really exist. So we're having to look at other areas. So David has helped me consider training someone up. You know, in yeah. an ideal world, it'd be good to have someone who's done it before. But you know, bolting someone onto the side of my desk for six months just to sort of sit and learn and listen and ask questions, that could be useful. He's also talked a lot about uh, kind of just growth plans, both in terms of headcount as well as commercial turnover as well. So again, putting those pledges in place and looking at, you know, cost per head and, you know, billings per head and, you know, ratios and things like that. Nice, love it. So what are you most excited about then? Let, let's finish it there. What, what are you most excited about then as we go into... In the next year hiring and growing you know getting getting someone on board and the, the, the thing i've one of the things i've most enjoyed about having this business is interviewing someone and then you know selling them what sounds like the dream we do this and your commission structures this and you're going to earn this and this that and the other and then watching them over a period of three to six months realize that it wasn't bullshit and it's true <laughs> yeah. i love it i get a real kick out of it so yeah. that happening again is going to be really good. Hiring that that headhunter who comes in and maybe is a bit nervous on their first day and watching them relax and settle in and put their own spin on things. And, and market share is a big thing for us. You know, we're not we're not we're not here to uh, we're not here to. Uh, sounds really bad. I'm trying to think of a better way of saying the Conor McGregor thing. We're not here to take part. We are here to yeah, yeah, yeah. smash the market to pieces and and, and own it all and Hoover it no, all absolutely. up because we know we know we're good. We know what we do works and. Yeah, that's that's it's the growth is the bit that I'm excited with. I think. Yeah. No, I love it. Well, look, Adam, thank you so much for coming on on the podcast. I think you are you are someone that knows yourself, stays true to yourself, which I I absolutely love. And um, Thanks, as I, as I said, like yeah, really kudos to you to, to yeah putting yourself out there saying hey I'd, I'd love some help and these sorts of things and if you're not willing to do that then like the positive things that you've experienced with David already may not, never have happened right so uh, I really respect that but yeah excited to to see where you guys are in the next few years and uh, yeah for any of you that aren't connected with Adam definitely connect with him on, on LinkedIn I'm sure he'll make you uh, laugh but also at the same time probably think who the fuck is this guy <laughs> <laughs> at the same time but he's, he's a great person that's being real and uh, yeah no I, I think I think kudos to you to really owning the way that you're doing things doing things differently everyone says that right but I think clearly you're, you're someone that's staying true to that so yeah thanks for uh, coming on the show pleasure thank you mate I look forward to speaking to you soon awesome cheers take it easy mate 
Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.